Yo, what's up? How's it? Welcome to another episode of Doe's Nose. Hope everyone has had a wonderful, wonderful week. I have. I always have a good week. And I always get excited when I have a new guest on the show. And, and when I get to sit down and hang out with some of my friends and kind of hear their stories, pick their brains. Um, it just really excites the hell out of me. And this week I got to sit down with just an amazing man. His name's Mike Spaulding. He is a oceanic uh, marathon swimmer. This guy is amazing. He's one of two people that has swam every channel in the Hawaiian Islands. Yeah, he's uh, also famous because he's the only human being that's ever been bit while swimming those channels by a cookie cutter shark. And he didn't just get bit once, he got bit twice. And it's he's got such an amazing story and just a whole lifetime of, of wonderful, epic things that he's done and he's continuing to do at the age of 69. Um, he's just all time, he's, he's such a good friend. And I just want to welcome him, welcome him to the show. Mike Spaulding, welcome to Doe's Nose. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks, uh, Dave. I'm so excited. You know, I'm going to give uh, everybody a quick rundown about you and how we met. Um, Mike, you are an open ocean marathon swimmer. Uh, you're one of two people that have swam across every single channel in the Hawaiian Islands. That's friggin' amazing. One correction on that. One correction. Oahu to Kauai is almost impossible to swim solo. Okay. And so we did that in a relay, six of us. Took us 24 hours, uh, and we all got stung, except one of our swimmers, uh, Joel Swartz, has heart problems. Uh -huh. And he's the only one that didn't get you know, annihilated by, by Portuguese man of war. And box jellyfish probably, nope, too. No, we didn't get any of those. But yeah. the Portuguese man of war were all over us, and... and uh, we also saw tiger shark, you know, halfway across. Holy moly. And in trying to finish that channel, we got into a six-hour stall current, you know, off Nawiliwili. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, we finally pushed through it and ended up, you know, touching the rocks just to the left of Nawiliwili Harbor at about midnight. Wow. So that was a pretty epic trip. When was that? That was about uh, six years ago. I yeah. I remember the actual date. But what was cool uh, about that trip, as soon as we got into Nawili Willie, you know, we, uh, the crew that were swimming jumped off, and then my buddies who were on the boat escorting and a few flew in, we uh, turned around and went to Niihau uh -huh. and uh, did a surf trip over there and then brought the boat back to Maui. So it was a, you know, it was a kind of a combination. But you, you didn't swim the channel from Kauai to Niihau? No, 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 no. no. Actually, not on that trip, but we did do that. Uh, that's one of the channels that we, we swam right? Uh, solo. What do you think is the hardest channel that you swam? What? You know, every channel is hard. Uh -huh. They're all hard. And <clears throat> the swim from uh, Kauai to Niihau for me was difficult because um, I had a uh, technique problem that was, given, was, was 
causing my shoulder to, to go out on me uh-huh. towards the end of that swim. And so, um, you know, I, had, I corrected that technique, you know, with, uh, you know, in later swims, but um, it, it was very uh, painful to, to finish that swim. Wow. And, but uh, it was cool. We got, to the, we got to the reef. When you do a marathon swim, it's all about finishing. Mm-hmm. And you are so stoked to complete a swim like that because they're all impossible to right. do. And so you, you just break through the barrier of impossibility. And uh, when you see the bottom is when you know your, your victory is close. Yeah. And uh, coming into Niihau... Um, you start to see all the colors of the yeah, sand and the, fish, and like the this, coral and the fish this papillo started guiding me through the reef, you know, to get into the sand. Wow. Which was, uh, you know, pretty amazing. So, you know, we, we uh, and, and um, the Hawaiians on the island are very uh, protective of the island. Sure. And they knew we were coming because I have some friends that are part of that ohana and they, but they were, they didn't, they didn't bother us. They just kind of st- parked their truck and watched us and we came in and you know lay down for a little while and we swam back out to the escort boat so right that was uh a, that was quite uh an accomplishment for us yeah that's one of the islands that you um nobody can really get onto the island at all right the robinsons protect that island yeah. uh you know they don't allow trespass i mean they, they've there's it, there's an interesting law in a way where you can go up to the high water mark, mm-hmm. and the Robinsons don't re- recognize that. They feel that nobody can step on their island, whatever you know, or on their reefs, mm-hmm. and they enforce that. And they they have a a good reason for that. They're trying to, you know, they have a cultural reserve there, and they're trying to protect that and and keep that keep that intact. Sure. And uh, you know, times are changing rapidly, but you know, they're they're kind of frozen in time. You know, they've got the Hawaiian language going there. Mm-hmm. And they do a lot of cultural practices, uh, which are related to, you know, gathering food from the ocean resources. And they feel that uh, any any kind of uh, too much pressure on on the resources, their icebox, right. is detrimental to what they're trying to accomplish. Well, I, I remember, I think it was a year or two ago, they actually, a bunch of them came over to Oahu or Kauai for a big meeting um, because they were trying to ban, you know, local fishermen from Kauai from fishing around their island, which, you know, is you know, exactly what you're talking actually about. Actually, what, what happened there was uh, the Robinsons that owned the island weren't in favor of that ban, uh-huh. but it was proposed by some legislatures, the, I don't know, their, their house members. I'm not sure exactly how it originated, but I know that, that uh, the Robinsons actually testified against it because they mm-hmm. thought it was, you know, just something. They don't want people coming over there and getting, you know, they don't want regulations that affect their island that they're not the author of. And they don't want, you know, right. DLNR enforcing stuff. And they just want to be left alone. So it was an overreaching uh, bill, though, because it, you know, you, it's basically going to create a, a protective zone like Kahoolawi. Right. And you couldn't go in there with a kayak or a jet ski or surf or, you know, you have to stay off a couple miles. So it, it, it had a lot of uh, hair on it. You know, people, sure. people opposed it and it didn't, didn't fly. And I think one of the Robinson uh, brothers actually testified against it. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I just remember seeing something like that on the news. So, um, now, you know, you and I, we first met, um, through a mutual friend of ours that, you know, has now passed away, uh, Jeff Johnson. 
and I met you up in his backyard, and and you know I did a lot of trips with Jeff all over the world, and and you know he you were somebody that he regarded in such high esteem. You know he's you were one of his best friends, and uh, you know you guys used to sail a lot together, um, swim a lot, and um, yeah, is you know. Uh, that's a good lead on, but one of the memories I have of um, Jeff and I, one night, you know, I had a house at, uh, on the North Shore at Keiki Road, uh-huh. and Keiki Road has no outer reef. It just slams on the shore break, and, and people drown there all the time. And during the puka shell phase, there was a bunch of uh, Tongans. They'd go night and day picking mm-hmm. the puka shells. They got five cents a shell, and they were loaded in front of our house. And the surf was big, and I mean really big, and the shells were being uncovered by the, by the shore pound. And so Jeff and I, and over there, it's, you get caught in, the, in, in between the water going up and down and it waves breaking. You know, you could, you could kind of get into the jaws of death, you know, right. you just pound it. So yeah. Jeff and I get the idea, hey, you know what we should do is we should go down the beach a little ways and swim out and scare the shit out of these guys and just, you know, come, come in, you know, through this torturous surf, you know. So, right. So, you know, oh, yeah, why not, you know? So we, we jump in the water. We go out there. We get just thrashed, you know. We barely get in. We drag ourselves up, you know. And the Tongans, they didn't even look up. They didn't even care. All they, oh, my it was God. Like, it was like for nothing. You know, it, it, was, <laughs> it was like it, it had no impact at all on them. But um, you guys, you guys used to swim through some super big, sizable surf, yeah, and yeah. body surf with Mark Cunningham and and all the boys out there. But you guys would just charge out there when it's really big, outer reefs and everything. You know, I'm I, I'm really not going to take credit for for being a, on the forefront of that. Uh, you know, but I am. Uh, you know, I'm an avid body surfer. Always have mm-hmm. been, and uh, you know, love to surf. You know, Point Panic, and you know. Back when I was living on the North Shore, you know, we'd surf uh, off the walls, body surf off the walls, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, uh, pipeline on the shoulder there. But not, don't, don't, please don't uh, bring Cunningham's uh, name into my realm or Jeff's. You know, we, right. we, we're not anywhere, we're not in this category <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. But we, we did, we still, you know, I still enjoy doing it. And, you know, Jeff and I had our share of uh, fun uh, body surfing and, and swimming adventures. I remember one time we were uh, out on the west side, uh, not the west side, we were on the east side, you know, Haula, and we said, hey, let's just go out to the reef and back. And sure enough, you know, we just jumped in the water and we swam out, you know, about a mile and then turned around and came back in. And it was just like, you know, let's, there's something to do. Right. And so I, I kind of remember that as, you know, one of our, one of our we call them capers uh, right. that we would, we would do. And we were great surfing buddies, and we loved to go surfing. And it was, you know, it was awesome to, to uh, watch his children grow up, all mm-hmm. of his kids. And uh, when I first got to know uh, Jack, and, you know, he was coming out of the womb, you know. Yeah. And uh, Trent, when I first got to know Jeff, Trent was already, he was, you know, I don't know, eight or so. Right. And so it was great to see such outstanding kids you know, grow up, 
to be such contributing uh, members to society and also, you know, so successful in their their different, uh, you know, endeavors that they've taken on. So that was kind of fun watching that. And, you know, it, you know, we, you know, talking about uh, sailing, you know, Jeff built a boat and sailed to Hawaii. Oh, wow. And... Uh, one of his stories was about, you know, he had a, he had a guy that was partnering with him. Uh-huh. And they, the trip took longer than they thought, and they started running out of food. And so they were, you know, rationing the food. And, um, you know, Jeff, the way Jeff tells the story, the, the guy that he was, you know, on the boat with got into the peanut butter, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was like, you know, he, he took and finished off the peanut butter, and, and, you know, Jeff was about to throw him over the side of the boat because it was... Like that was their. But then he was like, "Wait a sec! I could actually eat him." Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, anyway, that was that's how he got over, and you know, Patty and him, you know, they got together like in fourth grade, yeah. and you know, were together the whole 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 nine yards, and you know, she, you know, was like the rock of Gibraltar mm-hmm. in that family, and and held everything together, and um, another <laughs> Jeff story, and um, I hope I'm not you know, telling secrets, but, you know, he was a minimalist uh-huh. for a long time. And so he went around the house and he said, okay, we only need, you know, six spoons and six forks and six plates. And he started throwing the rest of the, all the stuff out, you know? So he just had just There's definitely what, no hoarding there. Yeah. No hoarding, you know, just throw all the stuff out. We don't need it. It's all extra. And so, you know, Patty being, you know, she's so, 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 uh, cool headed. Uh-huh. She she just let him throw it all out, and then she'd go and get retrieve it and go hide it. You know? so, so, so they still had it, but you know it was just sort of like Jeff would get under these tangents, you know, and and um, you know you, you just you get kind of hard head. You can't. You just got to go with the flow, and then you know uh, later on you you know you can change the direction. Right. Now, I remember hearing a story, um, something about you and Jeff almost drowning Eddie Vedder. You know. Um, you know, I was, let me just back up a little bit on that. Um, canoe sailing is something that's fairly new in Hawaii, uh, right. modern canoe sailing. Right. And it was started by Chris Hemeter uh, in, you know, the late 80s or, you know, I can't, I wish I knew the date, uh, about 88 or so. And when he was uh, dedicating uh, the hotel on Kauai at Nawili uh, Wili at uh, Kalapaki, mm-hmm. he created a sailing competition and he put a lot of money into it and he had a silver cup and everything and the prize was a new koa canoe it's about a $75,000 prize so Nick Beck and all the the people that had been experimenting with sailing uh they jumped into it and and Hemeter provided sails he had sails made up for you know so he was helping sponsor everybody Mm -hmm. to to make this event successful so about 10 canoes entered this first event and we watched from the sidelines, and we said, hey, you know, this is something that we would really like to get involved in. So we had Kurt Clark make us a canoe and for the next race, because there was a whole series. Every year, for five years, he sponsored big prize money to, to do this sailing race huh. to Kalapaki from, from uh, Oahu. And they started at Pokai Bay for the first few years, and then it switched to Haleiwa. So Cappy Sheely and myself and... and uh, you know, Bill Monahan and Malama Chun. And, uh, you know, we would pick up 
you know, different paddlers. We had uh, Joy Cabell on one of our races and Brant Ackerman. And we would do these. Uh, so the first race, we, with Cappy's guidance and rigging and whatnot, you know, we, just, we went really light and strong. Mm-hmm. And Nick went heavy and strong. I mean, that's just the way that he knew how to do it. Sure. And he had won the canoe the, the year before. So right. we, we were coming out of nowhere, and we basically almost swamped off Molokai sailing our canoe to the starting line from Maui. <laughs> and we just got the canoe and rigged it up, and we had about two weeks to get it over there to the starting line. So it was a, a new thing for us. But we're all paddlers, and we're all watermen, and, and so we're able to adjust and, and make corrections and... and uh, so we got on the starting line, and we took off, and the wind died, and it was a 10-hour race, and nobody, none of the other racers were used to paddling. They just, like, you know, they're sailors. You get in the boat, and you sit back, and you sail like hell, right. and we were paddlers, so we would, you know, we started, we changed the rules by paddling the whole way, uh-huh. and so we won that, and that was a $10,000 prize money Nice. paid off our debt on the canoe. We had borrowed money to uh-huh. build this canoe. And then the next four years, we dominated canoe sailing. You know, we won the next uh, four years, and then the canoe sailing uh, money left the planet. You know, Hemeters, I don't know, you starting to have financial difficulties by then. But it continued on. So canoe sailing continued on. But what was the most fun for me was to do the adventure sailing. Mm-hmm. The canoe sailing racing <clears throat> helped prepare you for the adventure stuff. Sure. The canoe sailing racing is a very, you know, structured, you've got escort boats for every canoe and you've got, you know, course marshals and, mm-hmm. you know, you start with a group and you end with a group and festivities. And it's a, it's a lot of effort for a one-day event, but it's totally mind-blowing some of the most fun sailing in the world is canoe sailing because you're, you know, you're right at water's edge. Right. Now you're, you're thinking you. about, hey, I'm going to Lanai for the weekend, you know, cruising, adventuring, you know, doing something you yeah. haven't done before in a sailboat. So we would, so off season, we would start taking the canoe on trips to Molokai uh-huh. and, and uh, we would take, you know, Molokai, we'd ship the canoe to the big island and, and go around the big island and sail back to Maui and, you know, we, we took the canoe all the way around the whole state, you know, uh-huh. around Niihau. But what got me interested in, in doing the adventuring was what I first started off doing was kayaking around the islands, huh. pre-canoe sailing, in order to get to know the shoreline. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd, I'd have, uh, I had a, uh, an ocean kayak, an Eskimo uh, expedition kayak. Right. And we would... You know, a friend of mine, Tommy Haynes, and I would, uh, we were, our goal was to circumnavigate all the islands. And we, we did that, except for I finished, I didn't finish a, one section on the big island and one section on uh, Oahu, a couple sections on Oahu. But um, in doing that, you know, I was able to get the knowledge of the shoreline of the state, where canoes could land, where there'd be uh, safe entrances through reefs mm-hmm. because the kayak is such a, uh, a divert, uh, flexible, diverse ocean craft. You can paddle it upwind easy. Um, right. It's very safe if you know how to handle it. And, you know, these were, you know, very uh, efficiently built. You know, you sit in them with a skirt. You're low, you know, you're kind of low to the wind. You're not like the, 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 
the surf skis, you sit on top of them. You're kind of high. It's mm-hmm. hard to surf ski upwind. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with these kayaks, you can grind upwind if you have to. Right. I mean, they're, they're a small craft, and they're vulnerable. But, um, you know, we did, you know, one of, the, one of the, the, the fun trips we did is we went to Nihau, and we started in Honolulu. And we camped uh, along the coast of that the Napali shoreline. Uh-huh. And uh, then the next morning, we took off, and, and uh, we spent three nights on Niihau. And, Lucky you. And, and so one, of the, one day, we stopped at uh, the, the big beach, you know. And I was very curious to what the Hawaiians were doing in shore, you know, because there's a grove of coconut trees. So I walked in there, and there's about five Hawaiians making charcoal. Now, they don't make charcoal anymore, but they were making yeah. it back then. And so I walk up to the, this group of Hawaiians, and I can tell who the leader is, and I put my hand, introduce myself, and I says, you know, I'm, uh, I know I'm not supposed to be here. I'm most curious, you know, and, you know, we're kayaking around the island, and we're, we're heading back to uh, Kauai, you know, tomorrow, and, you know, I apologize for being here. And they were, he says, where's your kayak? Just over there. He says, hop in the truck. So he got in the truck and, you know, so they drove this, this weapons carrier over to our beach, where a canoe was. Uh-huh. Our ca- two kayaks were on the beach. And uh, they, they uh, so then I asked the guy, he says, you know, are there any 10-year-olds, kids living on this island? And I says, and he says, why? He says, my daughter's 10 years old. And she found this, she found a knife on the beach at Pelikunu when we were camping over there. Uh-huh. And, you know, she loaned it to me for this trip, and I'd like to ha- have you give it to a 10-year-old as a gift from her. And he says, yeah, yeah, there's plenty, you know. I yeah. Said, okay. He says, wait right here. So I ran down, got this uh, buck knife, and uh, handed it to him. And, uh, and I says, you know, we're going back to Kauai tomorrow. It's 14 miles, and it's upwind. Right. And... You can bet it's dangerous, and and this is before epurbs and cell phones. You mm-hmm. know, it, you know we're we're going to go out there with no escort, and paddle back for Niihau, and I don't think very many people have kayaked back there without some kind of protection escort. Yeah, or absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so uh, I says, can you guys can you give us a pulley for for our safe journey? And he says, and so they all they all got in a circle and they recited one of their prayers. You know, and in Hawaiian. And then we said goodbye to him. And, uh, you know, we went up the coast and around the corner to a, a staging area that gets us, over to, uh, gets us over to Kauai the next morning. And, you know, sure enough, you know, the next morning, bright and early, you know, we pack up, load up. And, you know, we got in before the wind got up and we got into Waimea and, you know, met some interesting people. And, and then we continued on our way around uh, Kauai to, to Nawili Wili, stopping at uh, Kibukai and, and Waimea. For, for a couple nights there. Yeah. But the next time I met that guy, I went, we did a trip. Oh, you got to meet him again. I got to meet him again. That's awesome. Uh, but the next time I met him uh, was under completely different circumstances. We did a, a trip from the Big Island to Niihau uh, over a summer, and we did it in, in pieces. Uh-huh. But, you know, we started from Hilo and around the, the Big Island, you know. Through the valleys. It, to Kauai High, and then we cut across, sailed across to Maui, uh-huh. and then we went on to Molokai, Oahu. But we did these in, in seg- seg- segments, and Jeff was with us on that, on that trip and with other hardy uh, crew members, you mm-hmm. know, hard, hardcore uh, s- you know, paddlers and watermen. And 
So then we, we, find, we got to Nihau, and uh, we pulled the, pulled the boat up at a little bay there, and pulled it up in the sand, you know, and, and we started, you know, cook dinner, and then we're kind of, you know, just all lounging around watching the sun, you know, we're going to go back the next morning. Yeah. And sure enough, this, we see all these lights, you know, and this caravan of cars come down, and, and the guy says to us, you know, uh, he didn't, the, the guy that I gave the knife to right. was there, because he's like the Konohiki, he's like the boss uh-huh. uh, under the Robinsons. And so he, he doesn't say, he doesn't say uh, anything, but his uh, daughter's husband, the guy, uh, talks to us and tells us that the Robinsons, you know, do not want us to be on the island. Right. And that they're in contact with him by, by radio. No, uh-huh. you guys got to get off of the island. And so we go, yeah, we can't get off the island. It's, you know, it's 10 o'clock at night. Where are we going to do? Right. And... You know, he says, well, you can just, you know, you can anchor off there. It's a safe place to anchor, you know. And so, you know, we, we protested until about midnight. Uh-huh. And, and we had the law on our side. You right. know, but then, then all of a sudden, uh, Robinson got, he got uh, pissed off. And he said, hey, if those guys don't leave, chain their canoe to one of your trucks, and I'll fly in the morning and arrest them for trespassing. Yeah. And he got all of our names. He gave them all of our names and stuff. So, sure enough, uh, we decided, hey, you know, we're stressing everybody out, so yeah. let's, let's, let's uh, you know, let's do it. So, we went out, and we anchored, anchored, anchored where they told us to, and, and we spent the night there, and it was one of the most memorable nights I've ever, ever spent, uh, because you can't sleep on a canoe and, and rocking out there. There's just no bed or any, any so um, watching the dawn from the very first inkling of dawn is something that we rarely get to do right. in, in, in that kind of a uh, very uh, meditative state, you know, uh-huh. so, you know, watching that dawn, and the dawn is like two, two and a half hours before the sun comes up, right. or that, three hours. That early twilight. Yeah, just that first little hint, you know, of things changing, and it's a beautiful time of the day. And so we saw that, and then we, um, you know, we kind of realized, hey, okay, we're getting ready. We blew the conch. They honked their horns. And they were very respectful to us. And we talked to them for uh-huh. two or three hours. Mm-hmm. And we gave them some fishing lures, and they wanted to exchange phone numbers because they were going to come to Maui. So they were really cool to us, but they were, you know, there was a higher power there that, right. that didn't want us to be there. And so we got back to... And, and they also said they would love to have a canoe on the island because it's boring to, to paddle and fish and do, you know. Sure. So I got back to the island, and I talked to some of my friends, Gaylord Wilcox and Kimakeo Kapalehua, who has the relatives from Niihau, and this guy Mike Giblin. And we put together a campaign and bought a, bought a six-man canoe and, you know, had an ama donated. Mm-hmm. We built paddles. And we contact, you know, we we contacted our friends, and they said, "Hey, the Robinsons don't want a canoe on their island." Uh, but they did say that, but there is a school of Niihau kids that go to the 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 Kula School of Niihau in on the on the west side of Kauai, uh-huh. and so we we made contact with them and said, you know. Uh, we want to gift you guys a canoe, and 
and we kind of told them the circumstances, and they were very appreciative of, of, of this. So we shipped the canoe over from uh, Maui. We were contemplating paddling it over, mm-hmm. but uh, to expedite things, we shipped it over, and you know, we gifted it to them, you know, fully rigged up. We rigged it up, and they had a, uh, a ceremony. They blessed it. They had a big paina, you know, celebration. Right. And it was our way of, of thanking them for their, their love and hospitality. When we were on the island, we really felt that, yeah. that love and hospitality of those people. We weren't getting it from the higher-ups, and, and you know, right, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. They, they have a, a, a different kind of agenda. But Did you ever get to speak to that one guy? Oh, no. Robinson? No, 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 no. no. The one oh, guy Iloka. that you gave the knife to. No, no. You know, I, I, I wanted to go up to him and ask him who he gave the knife to. Do you think he recognized you? Yeah. No, I don't think he recognized me. I, I don't think he recognized me. Um, but I was going to blow his mind and ask him if, but I didn't want to get double jeopardy. You know, sure. oh, this guy's been over here already. He, he shouldn't, he knows. He knows better. better. Right, right, him, right. You know? Yeah. But uh, an interesting thing, you know, one, one other part of that story is that when we travel uh, by canoe, voyaging around the state, uh, when we came to a you know, remote, remote place that was, you know, a good canoe, a, a place for a canoe landing, mm-hmm. we would build an ahu, which would be a stone structure, sure. circular, about four feet wide, four feet tall, and we, you know, put white rocks on it, and and that would be, it has no religious significance, uh-huh. although we would pulley around it, but it, it it's basically a place for future voyagers to know, hey, this is a place you can come safely and, 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 land. and land. So yeah. we did one in Kiholo, we did one in uh, Halape, and we did one on Niihau. Uh. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> that, you know, it was just such a beautiful place. We just felt moved by it, you know. Yeah. And that, that was uh, uh, taken apart very quickly after we left. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> Absolutely. So how does Eddie Vedder come into this? So, so we're doing these trips, right? And, uh, and so the trips that we do a lot of are to Molokai. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Eddie Vedder hears about, you know... And this is back when he was living on Molokai. Well, he, he, he was living there. He had a place there. He never right. was living there. Right. He had a place there. So he's friends with Jack and Jeff. And so it, 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 you know, Jeff says, hey, you know, Eddie wants to go to Molokai and, you know, on one of our trips, you know. So he comes over here, stays in the house, and uh, we, we leave the next morning, and it's blowing like shit. You know, it's small craft warnings. Yeah. It's not the kind of day we should be going over there. <laughs> so we... we I can just off. imagine, because it's blowing like hell right now, and I'm about to take a charter boat in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, to back to the Big Island. It's my, It's not. It's not blowing that hard. <laughs> this. This is not. This is. This is. This, this is, is moderate. This is yeah. moderate. It was blowing hard. So anyway, we um, we got. You know, we got over to Lanai, and I'm not going to bore you with all the details because I could give you another half an hour on this story, but but um, for another time. But we got over to Molokai. We sailed across the channel, and it was the most fun, exciting. You know, everybody was super stoked. And we had uh, two, two ladies that came along that had never been with us before. Uh-huh. One, one was an experienced paddler and a friend of mine, and she wanted to bring her friend for the adventure. And, 
you know, so we had Pef, you know, Jeff's good buddy, surfing yeah. buddy. Pef and, Ike. And, yeah. And we had the two girls, myself, and, and uh, so when we got over to Molokai, we were doing, um, we were doing a, a attack. Where uh-huh. you, we actually had, because we got, we were too far down, we got blown down. So where we wanted to go was up fire, h- higher up at, to Honamuni. So we're in the process of uh, driving the canoe through the, iron, the eye of the wind, and we got into irons. And so I'm giving commands, you know, to the, to the gal that's totally unexperienced to jump out to weight the ama down. Sure. And, and just because kind of be we're drugged. in irons, because yeah. we're in irons, it's making, it's flapping. You know, uh-huh. It's blowing 25 to 30. It's flapping so loud. Yeah. That she is, she freezes, so she doesn't jump out. She's too terrified. <laughs> so when we finally come through the, the, the eye of the wind, uh-huh. the sail picks up the wind, and the ama doesn't have any weight on it, and the line, the sheet line got fouled. So combination, we couldn't let the sheet out, and she didn't jump out, and so we, we did a huli. We went right over, and fortunately, we're you know not too far off shore, and so we know exactly what to do, you know. So we mm-hmm. give the paddles to Khaki, and you know we we go into our drill, you know. We know so we swing the canoe around, we swim it around so that, you know, this you know the the, the ama with the, the the tramp is upwind, and then we stand on the other ama, and we and the thing slowly comes up, and the wind catches the ama, and it flips it over. Right. And, but then what happens, the sail's still up, and it's not sheeted or anything, it's loose, but it's up, and it starts to pull the boat away. And um, the three, Eddie and the two ladies, didn't climb on the boat. Uh, and it gets down to, you know, after that trip, I, I, I realized that, you know, what we're doing is, it's dangerous. You've got to have experienced watermen. You can't just take somebody for a joyride. Sure. Because you're only as strong as your weakest link. Yeah. <clears throat> and so what we thought would be automatic, you know, cheesy pleasy, jump back on the boat. They, they missed the boat and we're sailing away. Oh, my and, God. And now, Pef had told me before the trip, he says, hey, Mike, I had a, a splint in my heart, you know, about three months ago. I can't strain myself so Already, Peps can't paddle much, you know. He, <laughs> and Jeff, bless his heart, he wasn't a paddler. You know, he's yeah. more, he likes to steer and, you know. So, I don't, we don't have any muscle to paddle back up wind to catch these guys. So, you know, we get, you know, we th- throw the anchor out and we're drifting and, 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 you know, we're moving pretty fast. We're moving like three knots sure. away from them. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they, fortunately, they had the paddles to hold on to. And he's a good waterman. He could, uh, yeah. you know, swim in. But, you know, the... Khaki could swim in, could get blown to shore, but the other gal was weak enough in as in her water skills that you know she was a you know at risk of drowning Absolutely. if she didn't have the paddles to hold on to. And so our my good friend Keith Baxter was with his eleven year old daughter Ashley, and they were going on a fishing trip. So they they looked over. They saw they, what happened. They saw us. They they saw. Um, the you know the canoe and they saw guys waving the paddles and so they came you know they shouldn't have been on the water either it's so rough right so they came over and they picked those guys up they come and pick took gave us a tow and they towed us up to Honomuni where we were going to spend the night mm-hmm. and um, 
that night we partied. We partied because <laughs> we were so happy to be so alive. So thankful to be alive, and, absolutely. And, you know, Eddie, he doesn't smoke weed. You know, he's a he's a he's a wine guy. You know, yeah. so man, he went home. He got wine. We had wine, uh, and he brought his guitar out, and and an, another guy got his guitar out. So we we had a concert. We had music. We ate good food. We had some fish that we had caught. And we drank wine until late at night, and everybody sort of slowly faded away. Yeah. And it was just me and Eddie left, you know. And he gives me a hug, and he says, Mike, love you. I'll go with you anywhere. And that was such a, uh, a great statement for him to make to me as the captain, having almost drowned him, that, you know, he realized that, you know, um, life is precious. Yeah. But it also deserves the highest... Uh, amount of excitement and thrill that you can get out of it. Mm-hmm. And, and he, he got himself a thrill that day that he'll never forget. And, um, you know, we talk, I was talking to him, you know, at dinner with him a few years ago uh, at Patty's house, and I got Ashley on the phone because uh, Ashley wanted to connect with him. Yeah. And he says, yeah, come up. I got tickets for you for my concert. So she flew up. And Eddie had her go up on the stage and, uh, you know, introduced her and, you know, because she was the one that actually saw them. Right. So, you know, it's interesting. Uh, Keith had so a, a, a serious injury on his foot. And, uh, you know, they did a crowdfunding thing. And he, Keith Baxter, such a nice, selfless guy and a great waterman. And he had some real serious medical issue that his medical insurance, they didn't have the skill sets to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he had to get specialist help. And they did a crowd, you know, khaki and that gal, they organized a crowdfunding with Ashley's help, and they raised a significant amount of money to help you know, wow. get him to the best That's possible cool. care. And it just goes to show you that you know, what goes around comes around. You know, uh-huh. he, he's uh, always giving, 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 and, and just the nicest, sweetest guy. And so he never asked for any help, but he got it, he got it you know, full dosage. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, let's fall back just a little bit. And... Um, how old are you right now? 69. 69. You don't even look it. You don't even look it. I would say you're, you look a couple of years older than me. And um, when, when was it when you started, first started doing all this uh, marathon swimming? You know, um, 30 years ago, uh, I, you know, I, was a, I mean, I've always been a swimmer. You know, I played water polo in college and, and swam in high school and always been a surfer since I was 15 years old. So I love, I'm, you know... Water sportsman, true and true. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the swimming was a natural thing for training for surfing and for the canoe sailing and everything else. It was a, it was a real good foundation. So I bet you loved it when your lease broke while you were yeah. surfing. You had to swim minor, in to get your minor. work. You're like, yeah. yeah. Well, in fact, when I first started surfing, those are we never had leashes <laughs> well, you know well now that you tell me 60s. you're 69 i'm like yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know we surf you know like sunset three wipeouts is your limit you know yeah then you gotta come in because you know you swim <laughs> three beat. times through the yeah. current you know through the riptide so anyway um swimming has always been part of you know my uh exercise that i i like to do for aerobics as mm-hmm. a foundation for all other water sports and so the first channel, you know, I swam with some friends is, you know, from Lanai to Maui. Now, that's a very common channel. If you look right. at the, the channel records of people that have swum the channels, you know, there's 100-plus there's hundred 
people, maybe 250 that have swum that, swum that solo. Mm-hmm. It's the easiest channel to swim because it's got the least amount of current. The wind's um, not really blowing through there. It's, it's almost any day of the year you can, you can do it. Only it, it shuts down when it's north wind. Uh-huh. But even, you know, if it's north, northeast, then, you know, there's the first maybe two miles of the, of the eight and a half miles might be closed. But then it opens up as you get closer to La, La, uh, Lahaina. So that was the first one. And then I, I, got, I met this gal, Linda Kaiser, who is a very close friend of mine and, and an incredible water woman. You know, she, in fact, uh, she got the Duke Water Woman Award, you know, Waterman Award, uh, a few years ago. And she and I uh, partnered up. And she says, hey, Mike, you know, can you help me organize an escort boat? I want to swim to Molokai from Maui. I said, yeah, yeah. In fact, I'll do one better. I'll, I'll go with you. I'll swim it with you. How old were you at this time? Oh, we were, I was in my uh, late 30s. Yeah. You know, or, you know, maybe 35 or so. And so she said, yeah, let's go do it. So uh, I, I organized the boat and we, we started, you know, we, we swam across that channel. And we got about three miles off the island and a shark comes out of the blue oh. to check us out. And, you know, I was thinking that, you know, I wonder how, you know, Linda's going to react to this. Yeah. But she's a very experienced, you know, waterman, and her her brother Steve Kaiser is knows the aquarium and fish world, and and great waterman himself, you know. Now, is that something you think about these sharks while you're time. swimming? Constant. All the time, because you're looking. You, all you see yeah. is just blue, blue, blue. <laughs> it, hey, it's it's you know it's on the on the screen, you know. Yeah. So anyway, you see the shark coming up, and it's a big fatty, and it's I don't know Galapagos shark. I'm not sure what it was. It, I don't think it was a tiger shark. Uh-huh. Um, so it, it comes up out of the blue, and it checks us out, and then it kind of leaves, and then it comes back again. And we just stop in the water. Meantime, our escort boat is gone, you know. They're, you know, they're, they're doing a, a five-hour escort. They're in about the fourth hour, and they're not paying attention. So they're <laughs> half a mile away, and we're sitting there stopped in the water, you know, watching this cre- creature yeah. and trying to, you know, bluff it out, you know, stare it down. And sure enough, it... It, uh, it finally leaves, and I said, you know, are you okay? He says, yeah, let's finish this up. And so we, we kept plowing away, and we got into a beautiful bay, Honomuni Bay. And, and, uh, and then so after that, okay, Mike, what's going to be our next one, you know? Uh-huh. Okay. And so, you know, every year we would do one, or every two years we would do one, and we'd figure out, okay, what are we going to do? And, you know, one of the real challenges, the Everest of swimming is the Molokai channel. Mm-hmm. And what makes that one such a hard channel? Because you, you got a crosswind. Okay. You, know, you, you, you have a, a side wind and you have uh, lots of uh, current. So it wants to push you south? It depends on the tide. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You know, people make, a, make a, a career studying the tide for, because it has a big impact on your course when you're doing the canoe races. And <clears throat> when the tide is dropping, it, it pushes out, and there's a, there's a reef out there, so it, Mamala Bay, it's a big bay. When the tide drops, it empties Mamala Bay, which is all of Waikiki, down to Pearl Harbor, all of that bay right. comes out, and it comes out to Cocoa Head by, by Portlock, and it pushes against that reef there, and it pushes straight out, and, and you can see it on a calm day, you can see, and the tide's going down. Right. So you have, <laughs> you have to contend with the tide there, you got Portuguese man of war. Uh-huh. You got a crosswind. 
So you got to you got to time it right to to do that swim, and then you got to get you know hopefully that the the weather doesn't change on you mm-hmm. or the current, and the current. And the current is uh, scientific and it's not scientific. You know, you you have the tide charts and you know that the tide's supposed to go flat at this particular moment, but on that particular day, it might be an hour off or or even more than that. You know, so you have to. So that that's one of the reasons why that channel is difficult. It's a uh, it's you gotta you gotta crosswind. You gotta wait for good weather, and you know a lot of people do that channel because it's one of the ocean eights. It's, right. uh, it's one of the if you if you want to be the supreme uh, ocean swimmer, you swim eight, you know, radical channels, including the Cook Strait and Molokai is one of them, mm-hmm. and English Channel is another one of them. So um, <coughs> people that want to do that, you know, they only have a certain window, like a two week window, and if they come down and blowing hard trades the whole time, and they don't get the current right, there's been a lot of failures yeah. uh, on that channel. So so once when we accomplish that channel. I was swimming with Linda, and about a third of the way into the channel, she swallowed a jellyfish. Oh. And, and she, I said, hey, you know, Linda. So we stopped. I said, hey, you can shake this thing off. And she started going into the anabolic shock. Uh-huh. And so she, she said, no, I, I can't, man. I've, I've had it. You know, I'm gonna fucking, I feel like I'm going to die. You know? yeah. So she climbed out. And, you know, Bless her heart. She didn't. She didn't feel that it was necessary to medevac her to shore. Uh-huh. So she let me finish the swim. And uh, when when we got to you know sandy beach side, the the current changed, and it started pushing you know towards Portlock from right to left uh-huh. at about two knots. And we were uh-huh. just flying down the coastline. They call that the you know the the Molokai slide, Molokai Express, right. the canoe paddlers. And so we went, I thought, okay, well, maybe I can duck into Hanama Bay and get out of the current. No way. We're right past Hanama Bay and then... And then all of a sudden diamond wall. heads coming up. China, right. China Wall before Portlock. Yeah. And it's a very uh, unforgiving piece of reef over there. Uh-huh. You know? and, it, and so, but, so what, I, what you got to do is you got to get out on the dry land, you know. So luckily, I had uh, enough uh, energy in my legs and I picked Opihi enough. That I got, I, I timed it, and I got washed up with a wave, and I planted my feet, in my hands, and the wave washed down, you know, and I yeah. was in dry land. I waved at everybody. Like a little ama yeah. crab. Yeah, and then the next wave came up, and I jumped in it, and we finished that that event. It took a you know fourteen and a quarter hours, and also got stung several times with a uh, by the man of war. Man of war, yeah. Yeah. So it was, but accomplishing that really opened my mind up you know i mm-hmm. i felt that that was an un, almost an unattainable goal uh because you know if you if you read the history of of uh marathon swimming in hawaii you know uh keo nakama was the first to swim it and um you know it's a really big deal mm-hmm. back then just like the english channel you know the first woman to swim it you know it a huge deal and you know he had you know, lots of people on the shoreline, you know, cheering him on and, you know, welcoming him. It was a huge deal. And for me, it was a huge deal uh-huh. to accomplish it. Even though we didn't have a thong of people and, you know, we weren't looking for publicity. We didn't, you know, let, you know, we weren't making a big deal of our crossing. We just did it quietly. But um, I felt a, a super sense of accomplishment and it, it, 
elevated my uh, uh, confidence in in what I could accomplish. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the the real uh, interesting shifts for me was that you know if you put your mind to something, you can get it. You can you can accomplish it, no matter how how heavy the the goal is. Because to to accomplish the things that I've done in the marathon swimming is unthinkable to, mm -hmm. to be able to do all these channels and to swim the Alunuihaha channel. And, um, and not having been stopped by any of them. You know, a lot of people that, that do marathon swimming, stuff comes up and they, they quit. They just, you know. How many times have you wanted to just like, you, halfway through, you're, you're running into new currents, wind ne switching, and you're, and you're just like, ah. You never want to quit. You want to finish. Yeah. So you never want to quit. You always want to finish. But um, the, this, the power of mind is, mm -hmm. is something. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Linda got stopped by the Portuguese men, by the swallowing the jellyfish. But other than that, she finished. We, we swam most of these together, but we finished everything that we started out to do. Mm -hmm. um, no matter how much of a wall we hit, we just persevered, you know, only pa'a. You know, like that, the relay that we did to Kauai, mm -hmm. you know, it would have been really easy to give up when we hit that current. But we just hammered it, Hammer, just took turns hammering into it for six yeah. hours, and it finally let up, and then we got through and we finished it. And, uh, you know, the, but, you know, you talk about, you were asking me about the difficult channels. The Alanui is the big, that's the big kahuna for right. sure. You know, that right. one is... You know, um, when when we had, when we had finished all the other channels, that was the last one, and so and that's we, and so everybody knows <laughs> that's from the Big Island to Maui. Yeah, so that's a it it took me 33 miles when I finally finished it. But so only one other person had done that channel, Harry uh -huh. Huffaker, when we had when we started staging for it, and in the process, this gal uh, Penny Palfrey, she went on a most rough ass day. I couldn't believe it. She went 40 miles, and she is a nail. She's a really good marathon swimmer and one of the best in the world. Mm -hmm. And I think she was in her 40s, and she, she, she hammered that thing, and she had to go down current with it and, and ended up in La Peru. So she did, you know. Where do you guys start out at? We started at Upolo Point. Upolo Point. Point to keep Uhulu is like the shortest distance. Right. And uh, it's like 22 miles or something like that, it's, right? Uh, yeah, it's more than it's more than that. It's it's, it's like 27 miles. Okay. And <laughs> so uh, on on my first attempt to doing it, um, the weather everything was perfect. I was in fit condition, and um, even though I'm, I was I was in my 60s. I was fit for this thing, and I was mentally prepared <laughs> yeah. for it. And I had, I had, the, I had the escort boat. I had the conditions, and I told the escort escort boat driver, I said, you know, keep the lights low. Lights attract fish, and they attract, you know, act, you know, flying fish, and you name it, you know. So yeah. keep the lights low, and you know, we had a, a glow stick on the helm on the hat of the kayaker. And that was shining up, so you can't really see it. But you can't, you know, the fish can't see it, but he, the, the escort boat could see it. And then all of a sudden, um, he starts having problems seeing us. And the worst thing 
in the world would be to get separated from your escort boat. Now, normally, um, the escort boat stays right next to you, but he he preferred to do this particular escort driver because of his shift gear shifting and everything else. He would go fast, and then he would then he would stop. I'd catch up. He'd go he'd put in gear, and he'd go quicker than I was swimming and stop and catch up. And so in that separation, he couldn't see us. Right. Um, and so he, he said, okay, put your lights on. We have safety lights on the kayak. So we turned our light on in the front. And then he turned his lights on. In the dark, there's two ways to see. Either you illuminate it or you, your eyes adjust to it and you can, you can get the night vision better. Uh -huh. And so he, he decided to go with illumination because he was afraid he was going to lose us. All of a sudden, I started getting hit by bait. I got hit by three uh, oct octopus or, or squid. Squids, yeah. Squids. Ica. Yeah. And so I'm, I know I'm in trouble. I know I'm in big trouble because we're going we're gonna to be, uh, we're going to be, you know, squid, there's something eating, this, chasing the squid. Yeah. But, you know, I can only manage one thing at a time, and that's the swimming. So I can't manage the lights. I can't manage him. You know, all I can do is just, just swim and Focus hope, on swimming. hope yeah. the, whole, the whole thing works out. You know, he's already got the course all plugged in. And then all of a sudden I get zapped in the chest, just in my sternum. Uh -huh. And it was a cookie cutter shark, but he didn't penetrate all the way through and take a bite. Because the swimming motion of my arms scared him off. So it was really sore. So I gave a yelp and my kayaker, you know, came up. And I went up to the front of the kayak and turned the light off. And then I... I'm, I'm hopping on to a single man kayak and doing the egg beater and the cookie cutter nailed me in the, in the, in the calf and it was a, a large piece of meat that he took out. Now, it took now, ex six months to heal. Explain what a cookie cutter shark looks like. It's, it's, a, it's the most bizarre thing. You should, you should Google it. It's, uh, it's about 30 centimeters. Uh -huh. It's ugly as, as sin. It has... Uh, a glow stick at night that makes it makes a portion of its head look like a lure for really? fish to come in close to eat it. And when they do that, they have a real fast. They can do a sprint, you know, uh -huh. and attach themselves to the to the skin of the fish. And then they do a as the fish reacts to the the the, the bite, it kicks off, and the cookie cutter kicks, and they take a round hole of, of flesh, and it's a very clean hole. And the fish live, you know, on. Yeah, I've seen that. a lot of ahi, yeah, they stuff live, like that. They, 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 they have heal. those bikes. They right. heal to be bit again. And, and, you know, the swordfish have a lot of them, a lot yeah. of cookie shutter bikes. I don't know why. But marlin don't because the scales are so radical. The yeah. marlin, marlin uh, don't do that. Don't, do the, don't, don't get bit. But, you know, uh, seals get it. You know, quite a, quite mm -hmm. a few fish uh, in the South Pacific. Now, I'm looking at the back of your leg right now, and that was a very, comparative to the ones that I've seen on ahis and stuff like that, that's a big one. It's extremely big. And I think, you know, the, the one on my chest is small, uh -huh. but I think the calf is, the, the, they're used to, you know, biting into, you know, a, a flat surface. A, a fleshy does, thing. Yeah, something a, flat and fleshy. Flat, hard surface of a fish. Okay. The calf is, you know, fleshy and soft. So I think they have a they do a suction thing when they mm. when they bite, they suck. They suck their teeth into uh your flesh. So I think it's sucked a larger than its mouth 
chunk of meat into its mouth and then cut the hole because uh, you know since I got this cookie cutter shark I go down to the fish auction when I'm on Oahu <laughs> I've never seen one this big before you know this is a, yeah. this is a pretty good good size uh, I, I agree cookie cutter shark now this was about 10 miles off of Upolo Point when this happened in 8.15 at night you know it's pitch black um, <clears throat> so I was going to swim my, my, my strategy start at 3 in the afternoon swim all night and then finish up at 11 o'clock in the, in the morning. You know, and that was the current, was, that was ideal for the current conditions. Mm-hmm. And um, sure enough, right at this spot in the dark, I got nailed. So I made a promise to myself to try this one more time. Only one more time. Yeah. <laughs> and so it, uh, it took a long time to heal. And then I started to, you know, to train up again. Uh-huh. And I'm 63 years old and I'm trying this the next time. And... <clears throat> It was five years ago. So, you know, so I, I, you know, I'm waiting for the ideal conditions, and bam, I see the window. There's an opening. The tides are right. I call my friend up, Jeff Henderson, who's a great waterman. Hey, can you captain my boat? And I get Dave O'Connell, Kali <coughs> yep. Borner, two, two surfer friends of mine, to come on as, as a crew. And, you know, so we take off to the big island, in the afternoon, flat, calm, and we anchor up, you know, have dinner, and then um, this time, three o'clock in the morning, because yeah. I want to be, I want to swim during the daytime, and I wanted, I didn't want to be <clears throat> in the same area that I got bit in the dark, so I figure right. three in the morning, it's going to start getting dawn, plus no lights, you know, a whole different, different program, I'm right next to the boat, I'm swimming next to the ama, and <clears throat> so we get out there, you know, everything's going smooth. But the emotion, I got to tell you about the emotion of standing on the transom of the boat at 3 o'clock in the morning and wondering, why am I doing this? Why Uh am I going to jump into this cold water and I've got this huge challenge ahead of me and I've already been bitten once. And, you know, is this really the best thing for my family and for me and for, you know, know, what's all the... the but I had, I had made this commitment that, I, you know, I wanted to follow through on to, to, to give this one last chance because yeah. I'm capable of doing it. And I, I, had, I had it in the bag, I thought, the last time. <clears throat> and it will finish up the series. Yeah. And so I jumped in. As soon as I jumped in, I knew the answer. The water, the Kanaloa, the ocean just, you know, enveloped me and loved me and felt warm and wonderful swam ashore, you know, got up on the rocks, did a prayer, and jumped in, and, and you know, I, you know, you gotta love swimming to do oh, this. Yeah. I mean, I love swimming. Oh, yeah. It feels so good to get into a rhythm and get into the, you know, the motion of moving. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you could, it's not as, uh, you know, it's not as, you don't get the heroin like you do for running, because you, you, you're running at, you're at a, a lower uh, heart rate and everything, it's more of a relaxed, meditative thing. But you do get into this really uh, state of well-being, and the water was warm. You know, everything was perfect, and so we're grinding along, and we get to ten mile point, right where I got bit. It's in your head, yeah. It's in it. You know, not not the cookie cutters. Yeah, they're, they're out. They're they're it's light time. They, yeah. You know, cookie cutters. They only only feed come it. out at night. They, they feed at night, and they live down at three thousand feet. Gotcha. In the daytime, but another shark that 
I'm very uh, respectful of is oceanic white tip. Yes. And oceanic white tips have eaten more humans than any shark. You know, right. in World War II, when the boats would go down, it was the oceanic white tips. There were millions of them. Yeah. They were the ones that were going in there, and they're garbage eaters, you know. You know, they're, they're not, you know, they're not, they don't have the same billing as the great whites or the tigers, but they're every bit as much of a, of a eater. Absolutely. And they, so I see this oceanic white tip coming at me. And so I let the crew know on the boat. I says, hey, you know, get ready. I might have to come out of the water. And <clears throat> so I watch it. And one thing with a shark, you want to make eye contact with it. Mm-hmm. You, if, it's like a dog. If you make eye, tac- eye contact with a dog, they're going to be cautious about jumping you. And so I made eye contact with the shark. And, and sure enough, you know, I kind, of, I kind of pushed him off with my eye contact. So he, he left, and then he came back. And he did that three times. Huh. And every time he came back a little closer. And every time I'm thinking, oh, maybe I'm going to have to get out on this one, you know. Right. And then he left. <clears throat> and he just slowly disappeared. You know, he just, you know, you could just see him sinking into the, Abyss, into the blue. Yeah. Know? And uh, so we resumed the swim. And then, then I got hit by a Portuguese man of war. Oh. And now, a Portuguese man of war will stop your swim if you get bitten by enough of them. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, and this one was a bad one. You know, got it on my, my, my neck and on my, under my arm. And I could feel my stomach quivering, you know, right. <clears throat> from, the, from the toxins. And I was getting, this was, you know, closer to the finish. And we were getting in the lee of Hana when, from the winds that were uh, blowing that, in that direction. The north winds were kind of coming up a little bit because it was in trades. And sure enough, we, that was the only one I hit. But I was thinking in my mind, you know, if I get into a swarm of these, yeah. I'm over. I'm over this. You know, I'm not going to. Well, I've, I've been stung across my chest and my, my arms just while I'm surfing. Yeah, loose tentacles. Not even from you know, it's just yeah. falling off. So and I know how how yeah, serious it's like, those it's like they're are. pouring gasoline on you and they light it. Absolutely. So fortunately, I didn't hit any more. But I, I was thinking to myself, I says, you know, you know, if 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 I if, I in, if if this is just the beginning of like a whole pack of them, uh-huh. I'm out of here. And uh, so then we keep. So I just keep grinding, and 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 it starts, you know, getting closer and closer. It's getting dark again. <laughs> And I'm getting ready for a feeding. I was getting feed every half an hour. Yeah. And I I got hit bumped by something. You know, like 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 the cookie cutter. Right. Or like this the squid, you know. But it was a fish. It bumped me. And I, I told the boys, I said, Hey, you know, skip the feeding and I just I just kept powering just, through, yeah. And I, I felt at that point that nothing could stop me because I was five miles off off the coast. Yeah. And it was so beautiful. I came into Nuu Bay. And uh, I know that coastline very well from, from you know, fishing from kayaking, and diving along there, fishing, kayaking, canoeing and, and sailing. And, and so, you know, I knew the bay, I knew the sand beach, you know, and I, I came in and I, you know, got on the shore and uh, I just was so thankful to have accomplished that that I yeah. swam back out to the boat and, and uh, that, that was, you know, that was, the, that was the completion of all of the channels for me and... Yeah. So then, then after that, we did, um, <coughs> we did the English Channel in a relay, and we did a double. Huh. And we went, we went across in 12 hours, and we came back in 12 hours. Wow. And we did a six-band relay with my, my buddies. And our, our next one we want to do is we want to do the Cook Strait, so we're trying to figure out. Where's that at? That's the North and South Island of New Zealand. Oh, okay. It's a tough one. Cold water, big fish, lots of current, a lot yeah. of wind. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. When do you guys plan on doing that? Uh, 2017. Yeah. You know, in like early 2017. Yeah, that's. But you know, it's tricky. That's you gotta, soon. It's tricky. You got to get you got to get a pilot, and the pilot's booked up, and you know, he's checking on us. You know, hey, how fast do you guys swim? You know, you know, got to. He wants us to swim three uh, knots, three uh, kilometers an hour. I said, yeah, we swim about two miles an hour, uh, but that's not quite three uh, kilometers. You know, just under. Well, anyway, so we're we're working. We're trying to get the logistics down on that. Yeah. That's that's really really cool. So you're training every day for this, and not every day, but but you know, swimming is a lifelong thing. You know, I train for 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 life, not so much for you know. I mean, for surfing, for just feeling mm-hmm. good. Uh, mm-hmm. Just love love to do the swimming and especially the ocean swimming. Now, um, you you know, you're a father, you're a grandfather. How yeah. many kids and grandchildren I got, I got do you have? Two um, incredible daughters. Uh-huh. Both are great water women. And humans, and uh, you know, my my older daughter is a eleven time uh, world champion in the one man canoe wow. paddling. That's uh, cool. And I think they've won seven of the. She's been on winning teams seven times on the six man uh-huh. crossing the Molokai Channel, and she's won it. Uh, she's got the holds a record kayaking. She's mm-hmm. won it about four times kayaking. She holds a record in the one man, and she she won it. On a paddleboard with uh, Talia Ganjini, they 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 tag teamed it and won it won it in the paddleboard. So she's nice. And then my my younger daughter uh, Nicole's a great surfer paddler. You know mm-hmm. she just had a uh, we got about a seven month old uh, granddaughter that she and Kenya and her husband have. And Lauren has three <clears throat> wonderful children. Hyena, who is a gold medal paddlist paddler, also won the state championships in uh, the. 14s and 15s gold medal twice each time uh, that he's tried it and got a gold medal in the world sprints and then Leah's my uh, 10-year-old granddaughter and uh-huh. then uh, Kuula is my 13, 14-month-old grandson. So I've got four grandchildren. <clears throat> well, it seems like it's running in the family here for sure. So, and... Um well, you know, I know things are getting tight here, Mike, and you got a busy day, but I want to thank you so much for being on this podcast with me. You know, some of these stories are great. Yeah. Um, I definitely want to come back and check up on you after your cook swim. Cool. I, yeah. I want to see how that went. And um, thanks again for being on the show, bro. Hey, thanks for, um, you know, having uh, interest in, in, in a few stories. Yeah. I hope I hope your uh, audience enjoys them. Oh, and, I know they will. I do. So. And and that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's more to come. Now, do you have any sponsors or anybody? You know, the kind uh, and Patagonia were 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 uh, you know I was getting a sponsorship from those guys, mm-hmm. but uh, and I get a sunscreen from Doctor from Doctor What's the, who? Dr. Martin. Dr. Martin. Doc Martin. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, do you have a website or anything? No, no. No I'm, website I'm, or I'm social media? I'm just underground. totally underground. I'm low key. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Well, um, once again, thanks for being on the show. Um, and I look forward to talking to you soon. Okay, take it easy. Ahoy ho. Ahoy ho. Thanks again, Mike, for being on the show. And you're awesome. I can't wait to get back with you. 
and hear some more stories about your adventures. And uh, I can't wait to get your daughter on this podcast, Lauren. She's just as amazing and world champion herself. Um, thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this podcast. Uh, I, it wouldn't happen without you guys, and it wouldn't happen without my sponsors. So um, a big shout-out to Maverick Sport Fishing right here in Kona, uh, Captain Trevor Child. Uh, you guys can find him at 808-896-7985. Go to co- maverickSportFishingKona.com. You guys can get out there, uh, catch some of those big giant marlin and ahi and my mais and onos. That's it's roping out there right now. My friend just lost the 800 pounder today. Um, there's so much fishing going on. They have uh, full day charters, three quarter day, half day, and overnight charters. Top of the line tackle, air conditioned boat. This thing's radical. Tell him you heard it on Doze Knows. He, Trevor will take care of you big discount. So that's 808-896-7985. Kona Coffee and Tea. It's where I get my morning crack every morning. Uh, I walk in there. The girls greet me with the biggest smile. They're like, hey, Doze. And, you know, it's it's the place to be if you're ever here in Kona. Or if you ever want to just order coffee online, you can go to KonaCoffeeandTea.com. Uh, but go check these guys out. The coffee's grown up on the slopes of Hualalai. Uh, it's roasted, brought down to the shop every morning, fresh brewed right for you. I love this stuff. I, I can't live without it. Even when I travel, they hook me up. I have all these little little bags that uh, go with me so I can make my Kona coffee everywhere I go. Thanks, guys. Um, that's Kona Coffee and Tea. Uh, Kona Boys, you guys all know I'm a big fan of the water and the ocean, and that's why I picked the Big Island as my home, because of its amazing waters. Um, But if you're ever planning on spending some time in my backyard on the Big Island, then you need to go see my boys at Kona Boys. Frank and Brock, they've been serving up gear for island life in Aloha style um, from 1996. They're the one-stop shop for ocean fun. They operate... A legit selection of local style activities, including historical va'a rides, paddleboard tours and lessons, and they're one of the only companies permitted to do kayak tours in Kalakekua Bay, you know, where Captain Cook first discovered Hawaii and also where he is laid to rest. (laughs) Don't fuck with the Hawaiians. Um, If you need to rent boards, bikes, boogies, or other beach goodies, Kona Boys is your spot. They have... Two stores, one down at the King Kamehameha Beach Hotel, right in town at the pier, Kamakohonu Bay. And you guys can get anything that you want from there, lessons and everything. Or you can go to their shop down in Captain Cook, and they have everything. Oh, my gosh, from clothes to every every kind of gear that you can think of. Um, if you guys want to order online, go to konaboys.com. And whether you're ordering online or going into one of the stores, tell them you heard it on Doze Nose and you get 15% off right off the freaking bat. Enter promo code online, Doze Nose, 15% off. Tell them you heard it in the store, 15% off. These guys will totally, totally take care of you. I want to thank Deuce Gym in Venice Beach. It's where I go and get all ripped for all you fine ladies <laughs> when I'm in California. And these guys are awesome, man. They, they, they have the best gym on the planet right on Venice Beach. It's not the one that's right on the beach where 
people are uh, Muscle Beach, I think that's what they call it. No, it's just inside from there. Holy crap, I got birds fighting on my roof outside. Scared the crap out of me. But anyway, Deuce Jim, yeah, these guys, uh, they can work with you whether you're 8 or 80. They'll customize your workout to fit your body and what works good for you, whether it's strength training, CrossFit training, um, strongman, it doesn't matter. They've got it all. So go check them out, Deuce Gym. You can also find them on all social media at Deuce Gym. And uh, I think you find them deucegym.com. Original Nutritionals. These guys are not your regular meathead supplement brand. It's pure, basic, and essential food and supplements to support what they call a clean athlete lifestyle. My buddy Logan founded the company with a food-first approach, working with average men and women like you and I to the best action sports stars and team sport athletes in the world. These guys know how to do it right. Go over to OriginalNutritionals.com, grab what you need for listening, punch in promo code DOZENOSE again at checkout. 15% off. This stuff's great, man. I'm taking the fish oil every day. My joints feel all limber, loose, enables me to go surf. My brain's out all day long because when I'm not on the microphone, I'm usually in the water and or up on, up on the mountains, uh, hiking and surfing and doing whatever it is. But I need to be limber and this stuff really helps me be limber. So go check out OriginalNutritionals.com Find them on all social media at O Nutritionals. And then also Hurley. Hurley, I've been friends with Bob forever. Um, I remember when he founded the company a long time ago. Started the brand back in 99. At that time, surfing was all about being cooler than the other guy and keeping it as exclusive as possible. With the launch of Hurley, Bob changed the perception of what surfing can be. For him, it's all about positivity, inclusiveness, making the absolute best product on the planet and empowering the next generation. Fast forward to today, his vision has never been more relevant. Hurley makes the best board shorts on the planet, in the universe. These phantom board shorts are insane. They stretch all over the place. You have every single top star in the world riding for Hurley, from John John, who's tearing it up to Chris Moore, world champ. Uh, you guys got to go check these guys out. Hurley is the brand of now and tomorrow for surfers and anyone else getting interested in the water. Check them out at Hurley.com. Find them on all social media as well. And GoPro is transforming the way people visually capture and share their lives. What began as an idea to help athletes self-document themselves engaged in their sport, GoPro has become a standard for how people capture themselves engaged in their interests, whatever it may be, from extreme to mainstream, professional to consumer. I'm trying to do my radio voice right now. GoPro enables the world to capture and share its passion in the form of immersive, engaging content. For more information, visit GoPro.com or connect with GoPro on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Um, thanks again, everyone, for being here and joining the show. Please, you know, give me some feedback. Let me know what you guys think. Who you guys want to hear coming up next? We'll get them on the show. If you got questions, leave them for me on my Facebook. That's uh, Dozer Dave Barnett on Facebook. It's Dozer Dave 
on Instagram. That's one word, Dozer Dave. Um, go to my website, doznose.com. Uh, and yeah, feel free to leave comments, check out all the pictures, all the videos, all the links to all the guests that have been on the show. And, uh, I hope to see you guys on here soon too. Yeah. I would love to sit down and talk to each and every one of you because you guys are all just as amazing as every single one of the people that I have on this show. So until next week, uh, we hope. If you don't know